Our scripture lesson this morning, friends, comes from the book of Luke, which we have been in for what feels like an eternity at this point. Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 43. That can be found in your hymnal, not your hymnal, sorry. That can be found in your Bible on page 748 if you're using one of your pew Bibles and would like to follow along. Hear these words from Luke. When they came to the place called the Skull, where they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him and said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for what we are getting, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, friends. As I said, this morning is known as Christ the King Sunday, also called the Reign of Christ Sunday. And it is a day in the church calendar when we celebrate that Christ has dominion over all creatures of the earth, a day to acknowledge that Christ is our ultimate ruler. And truthfully, it just feels really wonky to me. It's the time of the year that this falls in. It's right before Thanksgiving. It feels like Halloween happened 10 years ago, and it was only a couple weeks ago. It's technically the last Sunday of the Christian calendar. Next year starts Advent, and so we start all over again. Next week we will read about the birth of Christ, the coming Christ, and this week we're reading about the death of Christ, and that's usually something we save for Easter. Everything about this feels so strange. I think now more than ever, people are ready for Christmas early. So many people I know have put up their Christmas trees, they're decorating. If you happen to go by our main office, you will find that there's literally tubs of Christmas decorations waiting. They will be going up on Tuesday. <laughs> Christmas movies are out. I think Lifetime's been playing Christmas movies since like July. <laughs> the rest of the world has begun celebrating Christmas. The rest of the world has moved on. The rest of the world is ready for the joy of Christmas. The Starbucks Christmas cups have rolled out and that means it's time. <laughs> this scripture is not a joyous one, at least not at first glance. It's about Christ's death. 
And all of it just feels so disjointed to where we are in one calendar and where we are in another calendar and our seasons of life and what's happening in the world. Everything just doesn't fit. It's a very strange puzzle and none of the pieces quite go together. Yesterday as I drove home from our giant meeting of Methodist clergy people, um, I was sitting in silence in my car drinking coffee and thinking about today. And I was struck by the fact that um, it's a really good day. It's a perfect time to sit in this scripture, to consider who the baby will soon be looking forward to will grow up to be. This week we find ourselves at the cross in Jesus' final moments, as the world hangs with green and red and silver, as the world decorates itself in beautiful ways while it's also going up in flames, we sit at the cross. We come into holy spaces, like the sanctuary, and it's beautiful. There's stained glass, it's lit up, there's candles and pictures of Jesus, there's beautiful signs made by children. There's rainbow tool. The altars, the pulpit and the lectern are draped in these beautiful white vestments. And the picture that we read in scripture is very different. It's not beautiful. It's this image of Christ hanging from a cross. Not in the front of a sanctuary, but outside on a hill at the edge of the city not as the center of praise, not beautiful on a stained glass window, but hurting, the center of mockery. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> I'm sorry. Christ is not all powerful in this moment. But like the story of the washing of the feet in John, he is vulnerable. He's not cloaked in white, pure as snow. He's been stripped away. He's bleeding. He's being humiliated. He's not surrounded by candles. He's surrounded by thieves. And it's in this moment. <coughs> I'm so sorry. Can I get some water? I'm so sorry. It's in this moment that we celebrate that this is our king. It's in this moment that Christ hangs on a cross that we call him king. The vestments of this church are beautiful. The decorations are beautiful. This scene, you people, you're all beautiful. This is a place that's fit to honor a king. And we have to remember that the moments we are honoring with the altar and this candle, oh my gosh, I love you so much, Eddie. Thank you. <laughs> we have to remember that this altar, this candle, what they're pointing us towards is something that's messy and uncomfortable 
and really unfit for a king. That is death at the edge of a city on a cross. That is being stripped in front of an entire community and mocked and fed vinegar wine. To give you a quick history lesson, as I love to do, Christ the King Sunday is the newest addition to the Christian calendar. Um, it's still older than probably everyone here, but it is in fact the newest one. It may come as a surprise to some of you, but the Christian calendar wasn't just like created and then left alone. We've been working on putting it together for thousands of years. It hasn't been set in stone. It's evolved and it's changed over time. It's evolved as people have discerned how to best honor God. Unlike with communion, there's no moment in scripture in the Bible where people say, yes, do this. Christ doesn't say celebrate the idea of me being your king. There's no instructions for it. <coughs> Sorry, I'm very annoyed with myself right now. As I said, this is the newest holiday in the Christian calendar. It's less than 100 years old. It was institution, instituted in 1925 by the Catholic Church in response to larger events going on in the world. And I realize some of you may be ex-Catholics, and some of you may be going, why are we celebrating something that the Catholics came up with? We do that a lot, actually. We borrow a lot of their stuff. It was instituted by the Pope at the time in response to things that were just happening around them. And it's since been adopted by other denominations and branches of Christianity. This Christian holiday is different than so many other Christian holidays. It's not marked in the Bible. It's not commanded by scripture. It's not celebrating a particular event or a day in Christ's life. It's born out of protest, out of a time when the church looked around and saw a world that looked nothing like the kingdom of God. The church in Europe in 1925 looked around and saw dictators. It saw poverty, it saw genocide, it saw racism, it saw the end of the First World War and the beginning of another. It looked around and said, this doesn't look anything like Christ. It looked around and saw the people in its church backing the same leaders who were causing harm to other people. It saw a Christian church that was not following Christ. And so this holiday was instituted as a statement about what a real king looks like, about who the real king is in the midst of a world I was getting it very wrong. The creation of this holiday was much like the gospel of Christ, a scandalous and deeply political statement. It reminds us that the only perfect human ruler who's ever existed is Christ himself. It makes a statement that while people fight for thrones and power and authority, this 
This is who we acknowledge as the ultimate authority and the only king. That why people try to build institutions and make up systems, nothing we construct will compare to what God can construct. This is a king who's unlike any other. In the story of Jesus' last moments, much like his life, we get a glimpse into a very different kind of king. That is a king who not only rules the world, but created it, who is all-powerful, who sees, been before, and mountains crumble in the wake of. A king who's been sentenced to death for the ways in which his kingdom and his kingship threaten another empire. A king who's been sentenced to death for the ways in which he threatens the Roman Empire and earthly kings. And so they mock him, and they beat him, and they torture him, and they tell him, if you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. And we know he could. We know he could. This is the same person who brings forth miracle after miracle. This is a person who called creation out of nothing itself. And yet he doesn't. Christ comes as a king not just to replace earthly kings and kingdoms with a heavenly one, but to announce the invention of a new way of being. It's not just a replacing of an old king, but a replacing of the entire system, a replacing of the realm. I don't know if any of you are Game of Thrones fans. I've recently been rewatching it, kind of. But originally, they're all fighting for this one throne. And this one particular ruler who's wanting to take over says, I don't want to just continue turning the wheel, I want to break the wheel. And they realize that's impossible because people in power will always become corrupt and the wheel will turn again. As strange of an analogy it is, I think that is where we get things wrong is no person's gonna break that wheel. It's Christ who does it. It's Christ who shows us a different realm and a different way of being. It's Christ who dies while he could live to reconcile humanity to God and each other. It's a king who humbles himself, who embraces death and mockery, a king who is merciful in the midst of absolute torture. Because in his final moments, he cries out, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, forgive them. He cries out that the thief next to him might be forgiven too. That a man who's committed crimes, who admits openly he's done wrong, a man who's been sentenced to death himself, that redemption is for him too. That that man will be in paradise next to him. Christ just doesn't flip things. He just completely does things that makes no sense. He welcomes a man who is a thief, who's done a lot of wrong, who at the very end of his life 
proclaims, I want to be good and I want to be with you. Something most of us would be completely unwilling and unable to do. This is our king, friends. It's the most confusing thing about this entire story. That as a king, Christ doesn't rule from afar and sit on his heavenly throne and actually not know his people. But he takes on flesh and he comes into the world and he knows each of us. He knows our experience. He knows the human way of life firsthand. He meets us in our vulnerability and our brokenness. He's a king who's willing to embrace all people, to offer forgiveness, to redeem all people. He's a king who doesn't just rule his people, but he's lived with them. And he's loved them. He's a king who knows their inner workings, who knows how just absolutely messed up they are and loves them anyway. Who's constantly inviting them into a different way of being who in his final moments turns the norms of the world upside down, calling a criminal good and calling those who are most evil forgiven. On this Christ, our King Sunday friends, in the midst of a really ugly world, this is our King. As I drove home yesterday morning, yes, last night, and then to church this morning, I just kept thinking, gosh, I'm really grateful for that. I'm glad that today is right now. In the midst of all of these strange puzzle pieces that don't fit together, in the midst of devastation and hate crimes, of war and wrongdoing, in the midst of churches fracturing and people just sucking, People are the worst. I'm so grateful this holiday falls right now. That before we approach the season of Advent, we're reminded of this, this promise that we are invited into a kingdom of radical love and grace and forgiveness and kindness where power kneels vulnerably before others where the ruler of all becomes a baby and who dies innocently next to the guilty, taking on their sins and calling them good. Today is a weird day and it's a strange clash of calendars and the world and it's a perfect day to celebrate that in the midst of all of it, we serve under a construct not created by people. We serve an authority, a Lord, who is not us. And that is hopeful. As we move towards Christmas, my hope is that this day will remind us of the purpose of Advent, that the King is coming, that he will dwell with us that whilst Advent is a season of waiting, Christ is coming and Christmas is not here yet. The King is not here yet. And while we excitably want to celebrate that Jesus is here and watch all the Hallmark movies and go look at the lights and drink hot chocolate, I'm with you on that one. 
We're invited to sit in the waiting in the enthusiasm of knowing the baby that's coming, this is who he's gonna grow up to be. And oh, that's good. To sit in the seizing of longing, to anxiously await Christ's arrival, to pray, Christ, please come. Please come. Come and be with us. That is what Advent's about, friends. It's about inviting Christ to dwell with us again and again. Having heard the story which tells us who the king is that we wait for, may we shift towards the waiting. The anxious anticipation of this coming birth, the new world which will be created and is being created, the coming of life which will ultimately become this moment of death and the moment of new life. So friends, let us not be so quick to jump through the birth of Christ and the fun of Christmas, but to focus on the coming, on the waiting, the anticipation, the gift, to focus on the praying, God, please dwell with me, dwell among us. Bring us your kingdom, which is unlike anything we've ever known. Up end us. Thanks be to God. Amen.